Voices. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, and Vinny Parisi. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen! That ball hit deep. Way back. You can put it on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges throws. Out. And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei. Yes. Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley, and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by Dwayne Wise. First pitch starts now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of South Burbs Hitmen. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my White Sox brother in arms. I'm talking about Steven Zim Zimmerman and Vinny Parisi. And gentlemen, we have a very exciting show tonight. Um, the baseball world has been taken over by this amazing pitching machine called the iPitch. But and before we bring on our guest, uh, Zim and Vin, just curious, you know, what you guys are excited to learn about. And just I know we I know for a fact we know a couple of guys that we've had on this show have used the eye pitch. So Vinny, I'll toss it to you first. Yeah, I was intrigued when I first heard of it. And I was, you know, I wanted to learn more about it. I looked it up. I know they're super duper expensive. I like oddly want one in my garage, even though I'm not a major league hitter. Um, because <laughs> I'm a nerd. But yeah, I'm excited to learn about it because I all listen, baseball evolves, sports evolve. We have different pieces of tech that will help us you know, grow the game, grow our knowledge of the game, grow our ability of the game. And this seems to be another step towards, you know, figuring out certain things for certain hitters. Um, we've heard from experience that there have been criticisms of the machine, you know, the way that certain people think that, you know, rip, they basically the same people that rip on analytics as well. So I'm very excited to hear this guy's, you know, take on all of it and let's get rocking. Let's get rocking. All right, for sure. And Zim real quick before we bring on our guest. I pitch pretty darn cool, right? Yeah, I was muted there for a second. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, like it's it's my two, you know, sort of loves coming together. You know, I I'm a former ball player. I still think I can play. I definitely can't, but you know, up here I can. And <laughs> you know, on top of it, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I've worked in a in a science field in laboratories and. Um, various networks like that over the last half decade plus so to have something as cool as as science and baseball coming together in such a tangible way with the eye pitch it's so cool and i'm very excited to talk to mr steven spatansky about it yeah and without further ado why don't we just bring on our guest we're going to welcome the president of spinball sports who manufacture the 
iPitch and, and many other pitching machines, which we'll learn about over the course of this show. So well, join us in welcoming to the show, Steven Spatansky. Steven, thank you so much for giving us your time tonight, man. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on and, and giving us a little bit of time to talk about our product oh, and absolutely. answer your questions as well. Yeah. No, absolutely. We're we're excited to to learn more about it. And I guess we'll just jump in right into it. But what inspired the invention of the iPitch? Because it's uh, personally, I've never seen anything like it. It's pretty amazing. It's the evolution of the pitching machine. So, you know, back in the day, it was the two wheel machine. Um, then the popularity of the three wheel machine coming along um, as we expanded our product line and, and launched into the three wheel market, um, we decided to do things a little bit different as far as the user interface goes um, with just a standard machine that, that you had to adjust manually, but where it differed from others in the user interface is being able to set your speed and the spin and which way it wanted to break. Uh, and, and how much it was going to break. And when we originally did that, it was so it could be used at different levels. Um, so, you know, if you're working with 10 year olds, 12 year olds, 14 year olds up to high school, college, you know, you don't want to, the, the breaking ball isn't consistent for all of them. And, and, and the rise on a fastball and, and the break and, and that is not consistent. You need different levels. So we originally started with just low, medium and high. So you could be used at different levels. And then as sabermetrics and, and analytics and all that, you know, jumped into the game with all the rap Soto and the track man and, and taking all these different X, Y breaks and readings. Um, we expanded on that to be able to actually control spin rate as well as spin direction and speed. So they could be used at multiple levels. And then it involved, it evolved into the eye pitch. Um, that one came from, you know, the app craze about 10 years ago when, you know, you're counting calories on an app and steps on an app and everything's on an app. And it's like, wouldn't it be really cool to, to, to work a machine with an app? And, and so you don't have the manual adjustment between pitches and it can go from one to the other in a matter of seconds. Right. So then you start sitting around and talking about it. And then as you know, development grows, you know, you, you get your final product, which, I know he said in the opening, uh, Steve Zimmerman said in the opening about his R&D and that um, there was a lot of that that went into this and there was a lot of trial and error. But yeah, we've, we, we've grown into something that's been very popular among every level of baseball from, from kids to commercial uh, cages to Major League Baseball. Yeah, and that's a great segue to the, our next question here for you, which is, you know, you've mentioned MLB there. You've even gotten the attention of MLB teams. There are certain teams that currently use it. And, you know, just curious how you were able to break into that kind of space, how you were able to get their attention and bring your product to that level for them. So we broke into the major league market with just our standard machine. Um, again, because of the user interface being easy to use, um, you still had the manual adjustment, but they were able to see, the pitches that they were seeing in game. Um, and then, you know, math is a big factor of this. And, and I know we touched on it earlier. Um, if you can do the math on this one, you can move that math to a, to an app and let it figure out. And then you start bringing in the, the different servo motors and stuff like that, that allows it to, to manipulate the, the wheels and that on its own. 
um, and it just kind of came together. That's really, really cool. Now, so this is a super advanced machine, the eye pitch, and it helps hitters get better. It's supposed to help guys do certain things. Tell us some about some of the features that are on there that might help a Major League Baseball player develop their skills further. So Major League teams will use these in a variety of ways. Um, so that they're able to put in all of the analytics of the pitcher that they are facing that day. So they can walk into the cage in a tunnel and that before the game, and they can see the, the, the pitching repertoire of what, of what they're going to face that night. Um, because of all of the information being held in the app and not on the machine itself, um, you can take all of that information and upload it to the app. So you, you can be away from the machine and you can put in, if you're facing, uh, well, we'll say, we'll say Lance, Lance Lynn's pitching tonight against the Indians and the Indians have the machine, right? So they'll take all of Lance Lynn's data and they will put it in a Google sheet and they will upload it to the machine. And now they can go in before the game or they can take it. We, we've seen it out on the field as well. They can go out on the field before the game and they can see his stuff. They can see what his, what his cutter is going to do. And they can, they can see his fastball. Um, and, and they can do that, you know, almost instantly. And then, so the other, the other thing that with that is that if you have a reliever coming in and you know that there's a guy warming up in the bullpen for the other team, you can put his information in and they will go in the tunnel in game and they will take some cuts and hit those pitches before that guy ever comes into the game. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely wild. Um, and of course we have some video playing in the background of the machine and some of its features. And that's just seeing it in action just kind of really puts it in, into perspective. And, you know, we're just curious. I know we have some people that have been on the show that the friends of the show, Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets, both have worked with the eye pitch and they've had success with it. You know, Jake Berger spoke highly of his experience with it. Uh, just curious if you if you know of any particular players that have come to iPitch looking for help. Is it more of just teams acquiring the machine and kind of using it in that respect? Or do you have any success stories that you want to speak to? Um, individual player-wise, I know that, you know, Tommy Sam, Francisco Lindor, Aaron Hicks, um, Dante Bichette called when – in 2020 during COVID when they, when they locked up all the facilities, he called them and he got one um, for Bo. But most of the correspondence with that goes through equipment managers in the clubhouse. So we'll send them to the stadium and, and where they kind of go from there, we're not sure. Yeah. And I know we saw it arrive uh, at, at the White Sox stadium a few, uh, a few weeks back. I remember James Fagan uh, tweeted out a, a video of it, which Spinball retweeted on Twitter, but uh, it's really cool to see it being used during BP. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they'll, they'll use it for more than just offense. They'll, the, they'll put it in there and, and let catchers catch, mm. you know, the, didn't they'll, even think about they'll, that. Yeah. They'll, let the, they'll, they'll utilize it to let the catchers use it to catch the pitchers they're going to see. Um, one of the first ones that we ever sold was to Tanner Swanson, who was the Yankees catching coordinator. And he bought it so that Gary Sanchez could catch out of Vino and Chapman and Garrett Cole over and over and over without those guys having to throw. I think we all agree that Sebi Savala and Yasmani Grandal could probably (laughs) work on some of that right now. That's on you guys. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, and so they can also use it for blocking drills because you can create your own pitches with with within the machine. Uh, balls can be created outside of the zone and then sequenced and randomized. So they can do a curveball that's bounced. They can do a fastball that's up. They can bounce a changeup, and they can put them in a random sequence to where it might be a changeup that's in the zone, and the next one might be bounced. So the catchers can't guess as to what it is, and they have to visually pick the ball up and then you know block left, block right, whichever you want to do. So there's there's multiple uses more than just offense. That would have been so cool to have back when I was still playing. It would have helped me. I, I was a catcher for reference, but yeah, that would have helped so much learning those catching instead of just, you know, it's a changeup, it's a curveball, so I better be ready on this pitch. You know, you can't always predict them like that. And that would right. be mm-hmm. so helpful. Um, but yeah, talking about these machines, um, you know, it sounds like you guys have thought about just about everything you can think of, but what's what's next do you have any plans for new or updated uh i pitch machines or anything of the sort a 2.0 of sorts yeah there's there's always more um we've never really been a company to stand pat um we we've we've tried to continue to grow in our products um there there, there's a couple other things down the down the pipeline you know one of which is a a defensive app for the i pitch itself so It allows you to take you, uh, you know, through a round of infield. Um, yeah, the, the, there's a there's a more sophisticated eye pitch machine kind of rolling down, kind of a gyro that, that the wheels will adjust and give you more true spin um, on some of the pitches. Just just kind of a step up, but we don't stand that. That's awesome. And so this machine's got a lot of mechanics loaded into it. And, you know, I'm curious if that was like a difficult thing to kind of take the next step and keep adding things to it. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, kind of how the machine works mechanically, go for it. Sure. Everything is a task Um, when you're doing R&D and researching and prototypes and, you know, when you think you have it and then you don't. Um, Basically, the, the main change from the original versions that we put out were going from stepper motors to servo motors. Um a lot smoother transition, um, more reliable. Uh, the communication between the, the, the software and the servo motor was, was a, a lot more efficient than, than it was with the stepper motors. Um, they're more reliable. Um, yeah, but a lot, a lot is in the software and, and, you know, there's trial and error and there's, you know, are, are we crazy for doing this or, or do we, you know, but then once you get there and, and once you start getting the phone calls and, and the orders and, and, you know, the Braves today called and ordered five. So you're, you're doing something right. Yeah, you got to be for sure. And, and speaking of doing something right, we have video queued up here of when Trevor Bauer uh, used some, some video on YouTube uh, comparing himself versus the iPitch version. And uh, you're seeing some of the results of guys going to bat against the iPitch. So just curious, you know, your thoughts on this video, because it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, no, these guys are great. Um, you know, they, they kind of push the limits with, with the machine and they do stuff that, that we wouldn't necessarily do or recommend doing, you know, sometimes I'll watch the video and even though they're doing it on their own, should, should they sign some kind of waiver, but no, this, this is the best advertising we can get because this is non-solicited. You know, these are guys that are using the machine, how it can be used um, in a social media era. 
to where this this is the best sales tool right here because that's none of us here. You know, we're not we're not on the phone with you telling you how great these are. You know, they're showing you what these will do. Yeah, that's that's got to be the ultimate compliment. And uh, now you see Trevor Bauer going to bat against himself. It's cool. To, it, that's one thing I wanted to elaborate on a little bit too is how you can. I know you talked about uploading spreadsheets, but you can essentially, you know, program the the AI version of a pitcher in there, a specific move set and pitches and everything. Um, yes. You know, just just curious how um, you know how you can see that evolving in the game of baseball. On the top of this video, Trevor Bauer's like, "Oh, am I in, am I in danger someday of losing my job to a machine?" I mean, I don't ever see that scenario happening, but. Um, you know, could you see maybe something like this being used for like the home run derby or, or something in the future? I, yeah, I'm a baseball purist. So the bigger bases and the time limit are a, and the DH and the NL is, is a non-starter for me, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think the, you know, the mystique of having your dad throw to you in the home run derby or, you know, your high school coach or whatever, I think, I think those that are furious in baseball and love that, that's something that, 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 that they want to see and will continue to see, I hope. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would hope not even selling machines. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. hear you there. It's interesting to think about, you know, seeing somebody like Trevor Bauer using the machine, it almost makes me wonder if some pitchers might end up studying this, you know, to see if the AI can mimic uh, their, their, what's the word I'm looking for their patterns well enough in order for them to kind of say, Oh, I'm throwing too many of this pitch in this situation, you know, thinking future application there maybe, but it just, it opens up such a different world. And I know you say that you're, um, more of a baseball purist. Uh, so that's why I'm definitely, definitely more curious about your response to this question. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little on our list, guys. Sorry if I throw anybody else off here. But I'm curious what your opinions and thoughts are on other cutting-edge technologies in the baseball space, such as, you know, VR. Win reality is a big one out there right now for hitters. What do you think of stuff like that? How How do you guys compete with something like that? I know that you're in the physical space and they're in the virtual space, but... It's always there. And um, do you guys have any plans to delve into that kind of realm? Uh, At this point, we're staying on the machine side of it. Um, And to go back on kind of something you touched on prior was, yes, pitchers will put their stuff in so that they can see it. And that will happen. That happens. We we have customers and that's happened from the high school level on up that they will, they will put their own pitching staff in so that those pitchers can see what they're throwing and, and how it works and if if they need to do something different. Um, in response to VR, I haven't I haven't dealt much with it. We haven't dealt much with it, but it's to each his own. You know, I mean, and as the game evolves, I'm sure VR is great. You can do it in a confined area. You don't need a cage, but some guys want that feel, right? They want to see the ball and they want to know, you know, Am I hitting, am I hitting closer to the label into the batter? Am I hitting right in the sweet spot? You know, there's that added bonus of, of the feel that you get from hitting. Um, you know, back in the day they said weightlifting was bad for baseball players and then plyo balls are good. Plyo balls are bad. As the game evolves and all the training evolves, there's all different kinds of things out there and to each their own as to what they want to do. 
for, for sure. And there are plenty of people out there, including people in the media, who have been critical of teams using it because they like the old-fashioned, you talk about baseball purism, uh, hitting off of somebody live pitching. And obviously, there's a little bit different, you know, I would say there's a different to live pitching and using a machine but you know it's usually like i said the people who tend to skew away from analytics and stuff like that what's your response to such criticism so i think they're using it as a practice tool right and so i guess the the player themselves has a god-given gift to hit it and yes the coaches can help um but they're using this as a practice tool it's it's not a cheat code right you still have to hand eye coordination to the ball center it up hit it it's a it's a practice tool and, and like I said, you know, there as baseball has evolved, when we first started doing this and went to spring training, you know, there there was a bunch of older coaches out there still hitting fungos. Well, I can tell you now that they're putting machines out there to do the fungo work. Okay, they'll they'll put a machine in left field and run the shortstops out there to to catch a cut and throw home. So the outfielder will be a machine and not not an actual left fielder. Um, it's a way to get through a practice quicker. You get more repetition, you get more, more reps at it, and, and, and you, it moves along faster. You can, get more, you can get through more stuff in a practice by utilizing the machines. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great call. Out. And I, we, we thought it was a, a bit of an interesting take as well, but I do have the, the, one of the exact – well, not an exact quote, but we mentioned that Ozzie Guillen was a little bit critical – uh, during a post game, and then I have uh, a tweet that sent out by his son, but his account kind of summarizing a little bit of what he was talking about, and just so people know what we're talking about, um, <clears throat> he was critical, and, and this is his quote: uh, "Because they are giving all the credit to the machine and not to the coaches, that's why he knows majority of the guys are not finding value in it. His he's not the skipper or coach or a front office guy's job is to take, interform, and entertain." He's not there to win games. Get it. But at the same time, as you pointed out, it is a practice tool. And uh, I think I think it says a lot about different different managers and how they approach the game. And by no means are we talking down to Ozzie Guillen. He's a World Series winning manager. But there's analytics-based guys, there's stats-based guys, and then there's super old-school guys. And that's, that's definitely an old-school take. <laughs> but... <clears throat> Moving moving on from this, just wanted to dive into it. I know we talked about the R&D side of things a little bit earlier, but we're just curious, like, what is the behind-the-scenes part of the R&D and the, and the math that's involved and how much R&D happens, the trial and error of it all, you know, pencil pushing versus firing balls at people. I mean, I'm sure this machine was a labor of love to get it to where it is today. Yeah, so it started back around 2014, um, and, and it progressed on to, you know, 2017. We were the best in show at at the ABC at the American Baseball Coaches Association, um, and it still wasn't quite developed yet, because you know, like I said, once once you get into it, well, it can do more, and it can do this, and now we can go about we can go about changing the way that the, the machine operates this way and we can do it this way and better and more efficient and faster. Um, so, you know, 2019 was when we kind of started, started getting them out there. Um, so the, the R and D and labor of love, a little bit of craziness, maybe, you know, two steps, two steps forward, three steps back. You know, it's, it's, I hate this. I love this. This is great. 
now, you know, no, the emotions on doing something like this and, and, and the time involved in it um, is, is actually, you were correct, it's a labor of love. Yes. And we have a question in the chat, Stephen. How long does it take to build the basic machine? So you're probably looking on the eye pitch probably two and a half, three days. Um, it's, there's significant electronics and wiring. And then once you get into the calibration of it, where you're taking it into the cage and you're going through Rapsodo and TrackMan and making sure that you know, your, your, your zones are hit and, and your RPMs are there and the, and the break is there. Um, it's a pretty tedious process. And then I have a quick question for you really quick too. And I might be way off my rocker here and you could tell me if I'm crazy and this would cost $10 billion to make each machine if you know, but I'm just curious, you said you can implant, like, let's say you're facing Shohei Otani that night and you want his fastball and his nastiest breaking stuff at its best to come out of the machine. Has there ever been a thought of, like, just programming X number of major league players into a machine and having it be like a constant, like like an iPhone update almost, like you update who's in the league and whatnot? Has, are you, at least if it's just the star players to kind of, you know, have some pre-programmed pitchers in there based on certain data from MLB.com or whatever it is. Has there ever been a thought of such a thing? Because maybe that's just my stupid crazy brain. It can be done, but you have the MLB likeness and the licensee and and all of that that goes with it. You know, that that's the big hangup. Um, sure. You know, and then do you, do you really want to put that out there and let twelve year old kids push that button when they're using it? Um, you know, but but most of it is is just the licensing fee and Major League Baseball and and the union and the players association and all that being able to do that because. The major league teams do utilize that. So if you go into, if you if you'd walk in into the tunnel tonight, um, they're more than likely going to have Zach Gallen in there from the Indians, and they're going to have all of his pitches. They're going to have his O2 pitch where he may or may not bounce a curveball. All of that's going to be in there, um, and you know, and that's where you kind of hit on Ozzy. Ozzy wouldn't be mad if Jake Berger sat there in the tunnel during the game or before the game and hit a, hit a O2 slide piece, you know, repeatedly off that machine. So that when he, when he singled the right to drive in the winning run, um, I think, I think if Guillen was managing, he'd be pretty happy with that, but that, that he took the time to see that pitch again, you know, it's not, it's not developing the hitter. He's just, he saw what he's going to see that night, but yes, they, they will utilize it. All the major league teams will, will pass players. And the other thing you can do is if you have a guy coming up from AAA that you might see that night, you know, sometimes the pitcher has the advantage there, but now you have his numbers, you have his analytics, you have all of his data in front of you, and those guys are going to go in the cage and they're going to see that or something close to it before he ever gets on the mound. That, that aspect of the whole thing is what got us so interested in learning about the eye pitch and we are just – Alayda, that you were able to come on. Uh, before we let you go, one more basic question, and then we'll let you promote and talk about the website a little bit. But just got to ask, Stephen, you said that you were a baseball purist and, and love the game of baseball. Just got to ask, what, why, why do you love baseball? What makes you love it? Because uh, I think we can speak for a lot of people out there saying that the game of baseball has touched a lot of people's hearts. Yeah, it was growing up as a kid and playing all day in the yards and you played till dark and, you know, you don't see many 
don't see many kids riding to baseball fields, little league fields these days, or playing in the backyard. You know, the, the, I, the Cubs, Cubs were on WGN every day. I could watch it every day. And at night when it got dark, the Braves were on TBS. You could see that every day. And, and so you pick up those things that, that you enjoy and, and you like doing, and that's, that was something that I love to do. So, yeah, I followed along, you know. I cried when Bill Buckner got traded and hated Leon Durham for taking his spot. But it's just, yeah, base, baseball has been it. That's been my that, – that was my sport. It's, uh, it's easy to create memories with baseball. That's, that's for certain. And I think we – it's got to be pretty cool that a product that you guys manufacture is, is in so many Major League Baseball teams' uh, dugouts and their facilities. Um, just roughly, I think your website said you had about over 20 teams now utilize the iPitch. Is that correct? 20, 23 teams utilize the iPitch. 20, 27 teams in all utilize our product, so meaning they're using the – the, the manual adjusted machine. Um, I can tell you that four of the eight teams in the college world series are utilizing the eye pitch. Nice. TCU order TCU utilizes the, the standard three wheel. Uh, most of the sec has it five teams in the big 10. I think it's five teams in the big 10. And, and yeah. And so, so it's not just at the major league level. It's it. It's at the D one level. UIC just got one Northwestern was one of the first teams to buy one up there. Um, so we, we've hit all markets. That's, uh, that's incredible. And because you can use them at high speeds and low speeds, you know, commercial facilities, they're good there. They're easy to use. The interface is there. You can get in, you can use them quick and get out. That is what it's all about. Got to love it. And Stephen, before we let you go, I'm going to pull up your website, let you just talk a little bit about your product and uh, promote yourself as you will and tell people where they can buy the machine and all that jazz. Yeah. Spinballsports.com numbers on the website, 618-244-4587. You will talk to myself or Sam. Um, we, uh, we know how they go together. We know baseball. We, we know what we can answer your questions about baseball and how you might want to use it. There are multiple machines from the two wheel machine, which is, you know, the, the backyard dad kind of thing to the uh, to the eye pitch. There's a standard three wheel, which will throw 100 miles an hour, um, all the braking pitches you need. And then just recent, re- recently released is the Spinball Mini. So if you have a smaller cage, a smaller area, or just want the more compact, you know, easily transportable machine, you have the three wheel functionality of the better accuracy with the three wheels and the three contact points. Um, the user interface is simple. It's, it's, we brought it down from our standard machine to the mini. So all you do is set the speed, which way you want it to break and how much you want it to break. So it can be utilized at all different ages. That's, that's incredible. And for all of you that want to check out more, you can head over to spinballsports.com. Also make sure you give these guys a follow on, on Twitter as well at spinball sports. Uh, Steven, I don't know if you want me to say your personal Twitter. I found you on there, but I, it's totally up to you. If you want yeah, me to mention that. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool. If you want to give Steven a follow. In my older a- age, I'm pretty tame. So, <laughs> uh, if you want to follow that spinball sports, or if you want to follow Steven, you can hit him up at at spotty underscore 22. And if you want to learn more about the iPitch, just head over to spinballsports.com. 
Stephen, we can't thank you enough for giving us over a half hour of your time on a Monday night. It's been a pleasure getting to know about the iPitch, and uh, we're excited to see what you guys come up with next and, and how the technology continues to grow. Well, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. We like to talk about the product. We like to talk baseball. Um, yeah, I can't believe it's a half hour already. So It went no, by I, fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it greatly. So thank you, gentlemen, and, and good luck to the Sox the rest of the way. Yeah, I appreciate it, and good luck Somebody to you guys. Somebody in Chicago needs to win. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not kidding there. <laughs> well, hey, at least they have this to practice with in the meantime. So, uh, Stephen, thanks again for so much of your time. Have a great night. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have you, again, have you on again in the near future. Anytime, gentlemen, anytime. Readily available. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Have a great Thank night. You. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. Yep. All right. Steven Spatansky of Spinball Sports. Absolutely great interview. So cool to learn so much about that machine, guys. Yeah, it's not often that we get to come on this show and actually learn something. Normally, we're coming on this show and making ourselves dumber by complaining about this god-awful team that doesn't seem to know baseball. It's nice to talk to somebody who knows it inside and out, educate us a little bit, and find some very, very interesting talking points along the way. That's not at all what I expected when going into this, and just a super, super cool product that I genuinely wish I had when I was still playing. It's kind of weird. I felt that way Tuesday. It was like different than what I expected, the type of things we got them to talk about and like what we said and what we learned. Like, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it makes me want to go get one, but unfortunately <laughs> uh, that's probably not going to happen, but maybe we can, maybe I can get one of those lower end models. I feel like I want to go back to the batting cages and take a few swings. Yeah. Maybe if I sell off some of my Jake Berger collection in a few years, I'll be able to afford one. <laughs> I would just stand Amen. there and practice until I can hit Otani's cheese. Right, That's will, I, I would become a master. We'll can take can you hit moment. a baseball? No, but I can hit this eye pitch machine throwing me Otani pitches. That's the yes. only thing I can do. Yeah, you put me you against could, a live pitcher, I'm dead in the water. But yeah, I can hit that one pitch off of that one machine. Yep, yep. <laughs> you could strike me out in beer league on a mix, but I can hit Otani's nastiest shit from the eye pitch, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. No, that's cool. I, I love how. You know, teams can mimic players and pitchers and defensively you can use it. All things I never thought about. And uh, Vinny, I first started talking about the eye pitch when I was on the show, on your show, when we started talking about it. It's kind of right after Ozzy made his comments. Ten minutes in the postgame show, just <laughs> ripping guys that use the eye pitch. Um, but but as Steven said, you know, it's, it's a practice tool, and I, I don't see any reason to rip on guys for trying to get better. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? It's like fans using analytics in a way. Like you can't just rely on the eye pitch to like turn you into a fayable player, right? Like if somebody's struggling, they're not going to start using the eye pitch and become freaking Aaron Judge. That's that's not how it works. That's not what anybody's saying about it. It's also like right. comparing war or OPS to batting average or like weighted runs created plus to whatever, uh, you know, generic stat there is. It's like they're all just tools. I don't like batting average for most players, but I understand it's a tool to realize the percentage of times guys get it. Sure. You know, I really like OPS. Some people don't, you know, I, you know, I'd rather a guy have a high OPS because when he does get a hit, it's a double or a triple or a home run. Batting average might be off a little bit like Kyle Schwarber, you Schwarber on your team right now than Tim Anderson. That's just a fact, but like, right. 
you know, th those are the types of reasons I hate batting average. But then there are guys like, you know, who are really good leadoff hitters that you do want them to kind of have a good batting average, like a really high batting average. So it reminds me of that, just that we're talking about a machine instead of statistics tool. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's amazing how technology has progressed over time. Uh, I never thought there'd be anything as cool as this. And just imagine where things are going to be in another 20, 10, 20 years. Uh, just absolutely wild. But as we were talking really quick, through this. Really quick, really quick. I just got it on my phone. About one case I like batting average. Ace Arise went a five for five, and he's now batting 400 again. And he has I just 11 got hits. It. I just got that notification, too. 11, 11 hits in his past at-bats. I'm like, okay, time where I don't give a crap what your OPS is because he has one home run, I believe. You know, that's the time where I'm like, okay, this batting average stat. I mean, some batting average in that instance. Well, Luis Arise is a freak of nature this season. I mean, he's just crushing the balls, getting on base. Uh, if he doesn't win the batting average title, I mean, I'd be stunned. I mean, it's going to – wow. And you can't even put into words what this guy's doing. <clears throat> but as we were yeah. talking through all this, uh, the White Sox are playing. Uh, they're playing at home against the Texas Rangers. Uh, and that's not good. <laughs> uh, as of speaking right now, it's 3 nothing in the top of the sixth. Um. Man, I don't know, guys. Uh, for for this roller coaster ride of a season, there is some talk coming out today from our favorite source of White Sox news. John was it John Heyman, uh, Vin? That was they reporting. Both, they they both said something crazy today. Heyman and Nightingale, literally both of them. So yeah. it depends which part you're talking. I was about. just going to talk about Pedro Grafal being one and done. If That's Heyman. With a losing That's record. Heyman. What, what was the other crazy thing that was said today? Uh, Bob Nightingale put in his weekly report that he releases every Monday on USA Today. It, it's kind of like a, like a, he just jots down a bunch of thoughts that he has from the information he gathered over the weekend. And one of his was that multiple White Sox players have admitted that they would welcome a trade. So, like he used the word welcome a trade, meaning they would positively react to being traded. Yeah, please as get me out of here. You right. want, yeah. That, you know, so that's always tough to hear, especially from him. But yeah, the Heyman thing with Giolito is wild too, or with Pedro Grafal is wild too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think any of us love what we've seen out of Pedro this year, but like, I don't know if they're in a position to be one and done. I mean, what, who are they going to bring in? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it's at a point where the whole thing's broken. They've completely failed on this rebuild. Uh, the fact that guys might welcome trades, that's I don't think that's news. I think you can look at the guys out on the field and see that. It's not uh not a hard concept to grasp right now. And as far as Pedro being one and done, I mean, if you're gonna rebuild, you might as well get your manager and and rebuild with him instead of trying to keep forcing these square pegs into round holes with this roster that's flawed and convince yourself that it's a championship contender when they can't even seem to get out of the first round of the playoffs if they even make the playoffs at all well shouldn't i mean shouldn't they get rid of the gm and kenny williams too oh that's what i, I mean, was yeah if, if griffal goes to go. 
if Grafal goes, you have to get rid of Rick Hahn because he was cheap. Like, think of the press it was this guy. Hired Grafal. That was he. He looked at him the way like most men look at their significant other. Like th- during that press conference, like every made Rick Hahn so happy, and he was cheesing. This is my guy. I picked this guy. Grafal gets canned in year one. How do you not get rid of Rick Hahn at that point? Yeah, it's it's a double. It's a package deal. And, you know, I think Jerry's got to know that. <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, and I just I just feel like it's so unlikely that Rick Hunt or Kenny Williams go away. And, like, I, I feels even more unlikely that they go away and Chris Getz doesn't step up, which would just, in my opinion, be a disaster. Like, they, they need to clean out. Yeah, Chris Katz feels like he would be like Rick Hahn 2.0. Maybe. Or even even yeah. like Kenny Williams 2.0. He sure does. Grant, yeah. Granted, Kenny Williams won a World Series, but I don't know how much that has to do with Kenny Williams. Maybe that maybe a lot. Team maybe caught a lightning in a bottle. That team caught yeah. lightning in a bottle. And it's and it's evidenced by the fact that they didn't do anything before 2005 and they didn't do anything after 2005. Right. If that to be team fair, was 06, good, that 06 team could have won the World Series, but somehow they didn't make the playoffs after winning yeah. what 90 games? Yep. 93. Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. Like they could have won the World Series, but they didn't. They didn't even make the playoffs that year. The next time they made the playoffs after that 05 team was the 08 team that won the blackout game. Right. And then oh, beyond man. that, what did they do? They didn't make the playoffs again until what 2011, I want to say. And they made it back. No, 2020. Years. Are you sure? I thought they made one in the middle there. They were like, over the 512. They, they, they were That's over the 512, yep. but they missed the playoffs barely. Yeah. So, okay. So then we've got a drought all the way until 2020, this current rebuild that we're now in that, like we've said, has completely failed. And guess who's headed this whole thing from all the way back in 2005 until right now. It's the same three guys. It's still Jerry Reinsdorf, Rick Hahn and Kenny and Williams. Kenny Williams. All because they accidentally won a World Series. And I will fully say that as much as I love that 2005 team, as much as that's like my childhood, as much as I, you know, can still recite probably 80% of that roster off the top of my dome right now. I, they accidentally did it, guys. That's all there is to it. Well, Tadahito Iguchi yeah. never found success anywhere else. Why? Because lightning in a bottle. Bobby Jenks never found success anywhere else. Why? Diane Vicieto never found success anywhere. Well, that's fair. But like, <laughs> look at all these guys on that team. AJ Przinsky didn't even find success after the White Sox at that point in time. Granted, he played for the White Sox for a lot longer, but he was never an All Star again after that. No, and that I think that's what makes the 2005 White Sox so lovable is the fact that they kind of like were underdogs and they caught lightning in a bottle. They, they were like this year's Florida Panthers in hockey. Like they got into the playoffs and they rode the wave while they ended up closing out the deal, which is the difference. But like that Houston Astros team had you two or three Hall of Famers on it. I mean, Roger Clemens was their ace. They had, you yep. know, Jeff uh, Bagwell. Bagwell and Biggio and Craig Bergen. Biggio. Yeah. You know, Cam they Bergen, were unbelievable. The three B's. 
who who the, on the White Sox from 2005 made it to the Hall of Fame? Oh, the guy on long-term injured reserve, Frank Thomas. Paul Konerko, Hall of Very Good. Jermaine Dye, Hall of Very Good. Scott Pitsednik, a, a nice player. Zero home runs in the regular season, though. He had to do walk-offs in the postseason. I mean, they're, they're, mm-hmm. Burley was an ace. He's an undeniable ace. But there were years where John Garland was better. Like, it was just all these things that – the White sweaty Sox Freddy. did that allowed them exactly sweaty Freddie. You know, the, uh, what's his name? The the other that wasn't Bobby Jenks. I'm drawing a blank on his name right Billy now. Billy Cox. Uh, yeah, him too. Like they were just unbelievable. Dustin Roberts. Dustin uh, Hermanson. Dustin Robertson. That name does ring a bell. Holy crap! Dustin then, Hermanson. Like Zim, Hermanson. Yeah, Hermanson. Yeah. Hermanson. And Zim ringed the bell with Aguchi, and you know Joe Creedy all of a sudden became a Gold Glover defender in that year. Like just all these things. The, they don't deserve credit for that in terms Juan of Uribe had a renaissance here for himself. Yeah, he had a more impressive catch in the playoffs than the all-time Jeter catch. I mean, just yeah. things that didn't really ever happen again. And the following year they made one really smart move. Okay, they got rid of Air and they play they used that money on Jim Tome. That was an upgrade. You know, that was a very smart move. Got, yeah. Then you got Brian Anderson playing center field, though, and it all starts to like crumble down. They trade for Ken Griffey Jr. a couple years later to try and keep this shell of the 05 team alive in 08, which they did win the blackout game. That was awesome. Yeah, you know, they've done all sorts of crazy things like that. So, you know, it's not really a surprise that, you know, a team catches lightning in a bottle every now and again. We saw the Nationals do it a couple years ago. That happens. And the Nationals had Hall of Famers on that team. Yeah, Turner and Juan Soto and you know guys. Uh, was Steven Max Strasburg. Scherzer, Strasburg, Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer was incredible that year. Yeah, so like the White Sox just weren't like that in 05. and I think that's what oh. makes them so interesting. But this well, rebuilds a fail, and hopefully we see it end. Soon. It is, but let's talk about for a second, guys. Like after you know the, the Field of Dreams stuff, and and this team kind of oh a lot of hype around this team with the playoff appearances. You know, it was a place that people thought was cool. They wanted to come to Chicago, to the White Sox. That's gone. That is not just gone. It's nuked. Like, yeah. what free what free agent wants to come here? It's, I mean, it's the entire culture that was created by that front office. You know, as much as I know there's a lot of debate around, like, especially now looking back on it, and the team is in the same position now as they were with him here. Tony La Russa really was the pivot, the pivotal change in all of this, right? Whether he caused any of it or not, just making that higher, the front office set a culture that did not line up with their players. And that is immediately where it all went off the rails, in my opinion. You know, they, they had the chance to really take this momentum, seize it and roll with it. And they hired this manager that as great of a baseball mind as he is, as much as he might've been able to get in touch with some of these guys, he just wasn't the fit for that roster. And because of that, all of the momentum went out the window. They kind of made the playoffs on a whim. It kind of felt like, cause that team did not really feel like they were going to do anything in the playoffs. I know we were hyped for them, but we can look back at them. Hindsight's 2020, right? And with that 2020 vision, we can see that was a straw man team. That was a team that was built up just to be torn down. And it, it all came to fruition last season. 
as we saw what happened there, the utter disappointment. And now it's just continuing into this season as again, the disconnect is real. There's no connection between the front office and the players. It feels like they tried to make this Pedro Grafal hire in order to sort of put a bandaid over that Tony La Russa hire. It didn't really seem like it is taking. And it's probably because he's partly, partly because he's a rookie manager, partly because they still didn't get the right guy for the job. Right. I don't know who was the right guy. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I should be running in the front office and that I should be the guy making these decisions. Cause I don't get paid enough to do that. I I'm, I'm not going to invest that much brain power into it. I'm a fan and I'm going to be pissed off about it. And that's pretty much where my investment's going to end. But well, I think, I think I've spelled it out about as well as I can right there. Yeah. I want to say, speaking of investments ending, I'm, I'm very pleased with my decision to uh, not renew my partial season ticket plan this year. Um, I, I think if I had tickets, I would really have a hard time selling them outside of some of the great promo nights the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know. They, they don't have a lot of hope on the horizon. Rank every manager that the White Sox have had since Ozzie Guillen. So Let me pull up the Ventura. list. Renteria. It's Ventura, Renteria, Grafal, Arusa. It's definitely Renteria on top, which is pathetic. And Ventura on the bottom. And I would fill in the middle with probably, it would probably go Renteria, Grafal, La Russa, uh, Ventura. Did I do that right? I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like as much as I hate to say it, I think Tony ends up being the best on that list. Uh, just no, man, I'd Ricky's, rank him second. Ricky's voice didn't I'd quit. rank him second. Ricky's voice didn't quit. I don't know, man. Quit. The more I, I think about it, I'm like, I'm like, how did how did Tony get as many wins out of this team as he did? I'm like, I don't know. Because mean, there was talent on this Mercedes. roster at one point. Oh, your mean oh. Mercedes hitting 400. For well, how about that? Andrew Vaughn just hit a nasty bomb out to left field. Nice. About to. Yeah. How's about that? time they got some fireworks there. Absolutely. Hey. I'm going on Wednesday. That should be fun. Not the solo shot, um, right? Solo shot. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I'd go Renteria one, La Russa two. Different list, but they're all Here's similar the enough. Renteria's teams overperformed. La Russa's teams underperformed. And that's where I put the difference. That's, that's right? fair. Whether that's on them or not, I think is a little bit irrelevant because of everything we've just talked or I just talked about with the front office. Like, Rick Renteria got the most out of his players on a team that had no business winning games. And Tony La Russa, on the other hand, uh, put together lineups that made you scratch your head and felt like there was no continuity from day to day. So meanwhile, Pedro Grafal's got about the dumbest baseball team I've ever seen. So that's a whole other thing. I don't know. Man. And Robin Ventura was dumb. Robin Ventura was just freaking terrible. There's, there's no cutting corners. He's not a man. That. He's not a manager. No, he's he's a he's a third base coach at best. I hear you, man. And I don't think we're even going to do Pedro's pen this week because we literally just ripped on him for thirty. Oh, minutes. he's been brutal. Yeah, he's been we straight, probably should yeah. have played that right at the beginning of this. Oh, it looks like there we go. Uh, Luis Robert back to back with Andrew Vaughn. There we go. It's what's a it, what's ball it with game. the Sox doing this back-to-back stuff and still losing games? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Hey, it could be worse, man. We could be Angels fans. You know, I gotta say, I really feel hey, they're still winning, man. They're they're winning games. Yeah, that's kind of the problem, in my opinion. They've got the two best players in the game. They're like barely winning these games too. They're not winning games. They're like eh, squeaking some out. Like, and on top of it, I just, uh, if you have the two best players in the game, don't you think your team should be a little better than winning games? Dude, they're (laughs) eight games over 500. They're four and a half out. They're four and a half out. They're they're like, they're still out. They're and the Rangers are probably so like I don't know I I think winning is a problem for them because they're not going to trade Otani eight games over five hundred and then it's if he just, leaves for nothing you let a potential ten prospect return leave yeah. for nothing that I like I I, I I still think they have to trade them even if they're ten like imagine. I, Imagine your team has like two or three of the best players ever at their position. Like, like for example, if your team had like Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders and Matt Stafford, right. And you got no Super Bowls out of it. Don't you think you you'd be like a little like, wow, that's impossible to do. And that's exactly what the angels are doing right now. That's true. They've won one playoff game with trout, not serious yeah. game game. The white Sox. Have a better path, better reason, in my opinion. Like Mike Trout, like, and people get on me all the time for this. And I know I'm totally off the rails here. This is not at all about the White Sox anymore. (laughs) Mike Trout is considered like generationally the greatest player until Shohei Otani came along, right? And one playoff win. That's like me trying to sit here and convince you that Zach Levine is the best shooting guard in the NBA, bar none. Because the Bulls have all of one. The Bulls have one playoff win with that man. Like it's it's the exact same thing. And yet when you think of Zach Levine in the NBA, you're like, yeah, he's a pretty mid kind of player. Like he's better than most, but definitely not a superstar. But people talk Mike Trout and we're like, oh my God, he's amazing. And it's like, don't you think an amazing player would help his team win some games? I don't know. Well, we're speaking of amazing players, we're going to talk about the opposite of an amazing player and guys that may or may not have had a rough week in this week's Adam Dud of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Ozzy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. There's a few options to choose from this week, guys. Um, offensively, not great. Couple pitchers are making me tired. Excuse me, the socks are putting me to sleep. Just kidding. Um, yawns are contagious, so thank you're welcome to whoever's watching this and yawning now. But uh, the White Sox put on a bit of a sleep show this week. A couple guys, big duds, but I'll throw it out to either one of you guys, whoever wants to jump in first and give us a nominee. Uh, I'll give it to um, Reynaldo. He's terrible again. He's, he's, I don't know. Again, I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, I, I, I partly put it on Griffall, you know, take it back to Pedro's pen for a sec, but um, he cannot come in uh, to the middle of an inning. He cannot come into a high pressure situation. He needs to start an inning with 
nobody on. So basically not an extra inning. He needs to come in somewhere in the middle of the game with a fresh slate and just to get the hold, you know, um, the guy's been terrible with runners on base all season. He's been terrible when inheriting runners. He has been terrible when coming on in the middle of an inning, you know, when you just need him to get one out, it's like he has to get through three or four batters to get that one out. And it's, it's frustrating. Um, we see him here this week with 2.2 innings pitched four hits, four earned runs. One of those on a tater with uh, only two strikeouts and a 2.25 whip. That's pretty high that's for bad. anybody. Yeah. Two for, to for third, anybody that's not familiar with whip. Yeah. Um, that's what five, five base runners allowed. Yeah. That was well, six, but yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Somehow yeah, one to know over that period, by the way, not sure how, uh, I think maybe he had one out of three good appearances, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he appears to have just lost all of his confidence right now behind the plate. It's it's pretty infuriating to watch. And I'm sure, like as we mentioned, Pedro doesn't help things, but Reynaldo, you're definitely a dud. Vinny, what do you got? Tim Anderson. He was my pick to click last week. I thought he'd do well against the Dodgers. He did not. And, of course, he's just been kind of a distraction so far this season based on how, you know, cold he's been and, you know, some of the things you hear about things going on off the field and whatnot. It's just it's been a tough year for Tim Anderson. Uh, He's costing himself a crap ton of money. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, before we get to uh, Joe's player, uh, how do you guys feel? about letting Anderson go at the deadline. He is 30 years old. He is one year left on his contract, but it is a club option, right? Meaning he could be traded as a rental player to another team. And if he plays well, they could pick him up. And if not, uh, wipe their hands of the situation and be done with it. Uh, meanwhile, the Sox help uh, rebuild that farm system potentially while doing it and even get some reps in for younger players like uh, maybe a Colson Montgomery decides to come on up. Uh, clearly this team doesn't seem like they're competing. So I'm just curious what y'all think on that. Or who they called up today, Vin. Um, I think, I think you could very well see TA traded. Uh, I don't know what his value is right now. That's the thing that I don't like. Cause if you traded him in the off season, he would have been worth a, a, you know, fool's gold. But right now he's not worth much. But with said, with that said, I can see T.A. getting out of here, and I think T.A. is getting traded. The single player in the Chicago White Sox organization that I would not trade. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, You could get a crap ton for Luis Robert Jr. and Dylan Cease. Um, None of the prospects are, you know, Brett Beatty or – whoever the kid is, you know, Ellie De La Cruz or anything like that, that Jones. Like, you know, yeah, none, none of those, none of those things exist in the organization. And I like Colson Montgomery. Okay. I, you know, I like Oscar Colas. They're good. They're good players, but you know, they're not these generational prospects that I'm like, so what Eloy was or what Robert were. And, you know, the White Sox stink and a lot of guys were just, but you know, Robert and Eloy are good players. They turned out to be good ML. 
MLB players. They're not super elite like we thought they'd be, but they're good MLB players. That that was always their floor, though. The prospects the White Sox have, their floor is not being an MLB player at all. You know, none, none of them are yeah. camp. Like, yeah, there's, you know, and I named Robert and Cease. They're amazing. Uh, Vaughn, he, he's been a disappointment. Um, I would say Gavin Sheets is a nice lefty bat that a lot of contenders would like. I love our boy Jake Berger. He'll always be a favorite of mine. I'm probably going to get a White Sox burger jersey eventually here. I want one. Even if he gets traded, he'll he podcast. He's a friend. Like, I'll always rock that jersey with pride. But um, Liam Hendricks, love him. I don't know if he's going to pitch again this year. We'll see, I hope. But, you know, there's just nobody on this roster at all that I'm completely out on or completely out on trading. And Vin, you you set me up perfectly for my Adam Dud. I'm yawning again. Oh my god! Why is this, we're boring. This team you. is put. This team is putting me to sleep. Um, but Andrew Vaughn's my Adam Dud of the week. I mean, just a horrendous week last week. Twenty four at bats, four hits. He did score three runs, but only had one RBI, and that came off of a solo shot. Struck out six times, only two walks. I mean, it, this is not what Andrew Vaughn was sold as. I don't know what the deal is. There was so much talk last offseason about don't trade Andrew Vaughn. He's the future of the franchise. I just, I don't know. I'm just overly disappointed in Andrew Vaughn and this this whole team outside of Jake Berger. And that's really it. I mean, Gavin Sheets had a better week, but... We can't get any consistency, guys. Luis Robert has looked really good this season, even though he's not been super consistent. Um, he's about the only guy that I would include in that uh, playing up to expectations list. Um, I will say Vaughn seems to be breaking out of it. Hopefully he's two for three already on the night with the Jack. So I hope so. Been a, it's been a rough week, though, overall. It, it would have been easy to name just about anybody on this roster over the last week as a dud. Which but is the opposite. Yeah. I mean, there's a few guys we can talk about that were good. I guess we'll do that. <laughs> as much as it excites me to tell you there were guys that played well, we're going to dive into this week's Put It On The Board Player of the Week, and I'll try not to yawn. Oh yeah, put it on the board, player of the week. There's there's a few performances that were noteworthy. Uh, one player had an amazing performance with his last outing and a really bad one the time before then. But you know, I'll let you guys speak to whoever you want to choose. Zim, I'll let you go first. Who is your put it on the board player of the week? Um, I think I'm gonna go this time around. With a guy who's been pretty good all season long. He had one rough outing in the last week. But uh, aside from that, he's been very good all season long, I think. And that's Keenan Middleton. The guy has been nasty coming out of the bullpen. Um, and I feel like it's always good to, you know, give one, take one, especially when talking about the bullpen. So I I, I gave uh, Adam Dud to Reynaldo. I'll give, I'll put it on the board to Keenan. Um, I don't have his exact numbers up, but it looks like uh, I have them right three, here for you. Three point two innings pitched, two 
two points two. innings pitch. So same amount of innings pitched as Reynaldo, but over that period gave up no hits, no earned runs, no home runs, same amount of walks, and one extra strikeout. Difference is uh, the guy's been playing well all season. He's got an ER or not an ERA, excuse me. He's got a whip. I still can't get the right stat out. He's got a war wins above replacement of almost one on the season, uh, which for any reliever that didn't start the season with the team and is not a closer, I think it's pretty good um, to have a positive uh, a positive war is always a good thing. ERA under two on the season and a whip real close to one. So the guy has been really, really good out of the bullpen. I would love to see him in these spot start situations like they gave to Tanner Banks today. Um, I think that he could be a really good opener for this team uh, in those situations. So I would just, I would like to see him get a little bit more opportunity because he's been really good in the ones he's been given so far in his 26 appearances so far this season. Yeah. He's been very impressive. And I, I realized like a little while ago, I've been calling him Kenyon when it's Keenan <laughs> the whole time, but nonetheless, uh, he's been fantastic this year. And, you know, there's a very few bright spots in, on this team. There's a couple guys in the bullpen that are on this list that we can talk about. Vinny, who do you got? Benny butt cheeks, Andrew Bennett. He a very interesting player this season I think he's been adapting to playing for the White Sox you know since the beginning of the year he finally got his first home run of the season so that was obviously nice uh, to see him get all those hits though was really cool uh, in a big game like that he you know came the day after he hit a home run so that's no surprise um, Benny Buttcheeks is going to be with the White Sox for a while whether some people like it or not um, I'm happy that he had a good week I wish I picked him for my pick to click yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> but uh, I tweeted out when he finally hit his home run the other day. I said, Benny Buttcheeks, Benny Bombs, Benny and the Jets, 75 million ways to enjoy this one. TA, you're next. Uh, still hasn't happened yet, though, for TA. And it may not. He may not have a home run for the White Sox this year, but I hope I'm wrong. Diving into my put it on the board player of the week. You know, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and 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 give it to Yasmani Grandal. Um finally nice to see him getting some hits. He hit over 300 this week. You know, granted he only got the one RBI, but he's ironically he scored zero runs, but he got on base quite a bit. I'm just happy to see him getting hits again. And when Yaz is getting hits you know for a fact that means that he's starting to warm up. So I'm hoping that means he has a good week here. I mean, defensively, I wouldn't say he's been great by any means, but offensively, it's nice to see him getting some hits. I can't believe he had all those hits and got on base and didn't score a single run. <laughs> it says a lot about the rest of the team. It says a lot about batting low in the lineup too, Pedro. Yeah, Jake Berger, too, getting that batting eighth, second. Well, yeah, I I wasn't campaigning for Grandal to hit higher in the lineup. I was campaigning for Berger, too. If Grandal had all those hits earlier in the lineup, though, he would have had some runs scored. Like, that's, you know, it's annoying. 
Yeah. And then I'm also going to give a shout out to Gavin Sheets, who finally starting to wake up as well. He went five for 15 this week, 333. And of course, we, we got to talk about a guy who's been pretty much lights out all year long throwing the ball. And I'm talking about Kendall Graveman, guys. Um, this is a guy that just continues to get it done. I'm trying to sort this by earned runs because he had another week without anything. Two innings, one hit, two strikeouts, two walks. I mean, he just continues to get it done. So uh, that's one signing that has been a thumbs up. And the Sox just gave up another two runs. They're trailing 5-2 to two to the Rangers in the top of the seventh. So that's a dud. That's a dud right there. But uh, shout out to uh, Ken, Kenyon, Kenyon Middleton, Keenan Middleton, and Kendall Graveman. Say that 20 times fast, guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's depressing. <laughs> it is depressing. Anyway, it's depressing. And then now we get to look ahead at the schedule coming up. Texas. Boston, yikes, and this week's White Sox Weekly. Ah, yes. Texas Rangers live right now. Tomorrow night, the next two nights, we get to go against Texas again at home. Cease versus Evaldi tomorrow. That's going to be a good matchup. I'll be interested to watch that. I uh, learned a lot about Evaldi in a, in a book I'm reading, which I'll talk about later in the show. And then Kopech against Perez on Wednesday night. And then the Boston Red Sox come to town, Vin. Um, look at this. Giolito against Bello. Lynn against Paxton. They don't even know who's starting the, the next game on Sunday. It'll be Banks Spots- again as an opener. Yeah, it'll be Tanner Banks, or maybe they'll throw. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think of someone in a position play. Maybe Jake Berger will start that game. The Ooh, there you fun. go. I think it's funny. Eovaldi and Perez were on the Red Sox. So five straight Red Sox or former Red Sox pitchers that the White Sox are going to be facing there. But they couldn't get it done against Heaney, who they killed in the field. Um, you know, it's just it's maddening what's going on. And I don't love any of these matchups for the White Sox, to be frank. I mean, this this schedule is crazy. And then the next week, which we'll be talking about, the Angels, four against the Angels. Look at that game next Wednesday on ESPN Plus, Giolito versus Otani. Sign me up for that. It's going to be That'll fun. Be cool. Yeah. Otani's if probably – If it stays gonna, that way. Otani's probably going to light up the White Sox. Well, it's on ESPN. They're, they're throwing Otani for sure. Um, it could end up being Kopech Otani. It could end up being, let's see, Lynn Otani. Um, regardless, it would be fun. Hey, Lynn's coming off his best the start of the year. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, they, they're they playing a lot better baseball than the White Sox. Yeah, that's for sure. But so, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. I'm rooting for the I'm Angels. We'll burn it to the ground, but let's dive into our pick to click section of the show. And hopefully one of us wins this week. 
somehow by God's grace, I won again. But that's not saying much. I, I picked Lucas Giolito. Zim had Jake Berger and Vinny had TA. So Giolito had a pretty good week. Five innings, gave up two runs. Better, best on the list. So I, I guess I'll take the win. I have no idea who I want to take this week, guys. I'm uh, I'm not loving anybody right now, but I think I'm going to go with the feel-good guy, the guy who makes my heart sing. He makes me hungry. I'm going to pick Jake Berger. Friend of the show, and I'll take this reminder to tell everyone in the chat, go to MLB.com, get that all-star ballot, Vote for Jake Berger. The guy deserves it. He has fought harder than arguably anybody in this league to get where he is. And you can vote up to five times a day. You can do it all at once. So vote one time, then it'll say you can vote four more times. Boom, 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 boom. Vote for Jake Berger. Get it done. Jake's my pick to click for the week. He was in Uh, 10th place at the last update. He's got a long ways to go to get there. uh, And he needs every vote he can get. That is for certain. Uh, up next will be Zim because he finished in second with his pick of Jake Berger last week. Zim, who you got? Joe, uh, I've I've started screen sharing with you. Uh, if you if you could pull that up, um, I have a list of every White Sox player on this deal <laughs> here because they are all terrible, and I don't want to have to pick anyone. Um, so on this list, uh, I have removed Jake Berger. Uh, since Joe has just picked him and we're going to spin it, uh, to determine my pick to click this week. Ready, everyone. All right. I like this. I like this strategy, Zim. Hey, I got just as good a chance doing this as anything else. Right. I got Gregory Santos middle reliever, man. You caught a break with that, with, with that over, over the guy almost was (laughs) Nick Padilla. Hey, Nick Padilla looked pretty nasty out there today and he i don't think allowed any runs over his few innings that he had tonight so would have been a nice start to the week for him if i'd landed him but that's all right i'm rolling with gregory santos uh long relief pitcher for this team maybe he gets a hold i have no idea how he's been doing recently i haven't watched games long enough to see him come into it (laughs) he's he's been good for the most part i mean the last couple starts Last couple uh, outings haven't been great, but before that, he had a scoreless streak of, I want to say, like 12 innings, 10 innings, nice. something like that. So, well, hey, that's good to know. I got to say, uh, I can confidently say nobody has ever selected him as their pick to click. So go, Gregory. There you go, man. I like it. Now, Vinny, the real question is are you going to make a pick or are you going to have Zim spin the wheel for you? I was going to, I thought about it, you know, like I was just going to be like Zim, spin the wheel for me. And then I remembered I have one win. And then I didn't care. Zim hit that. <laughs> cool, Gregor. Gregory Santos has been removed. Spinning again. Benny, you have. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's go, Jesse. Let's go, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse Cholton's good luck. Wow, that wheel congratulations. certainly. Congratulations, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, watch Jake Berger uh, goes like 0 for 20 this week. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. We need him. We need him to have a very, very good week to make the All Star game. So no, you know what's going to happen. Lance Lynn is going to be removed from the bereavement list. Jesse Schultz is going to be optioned back to Triple A Charlotte. Yeah, right. That would be fair. I did leave Lance Lynn on this list since he is still expected to make a well, start. Well, how about we do this, Vin? If that happens, why don't we have you spin one more time for your backup option? Okay. All right. But when does when does he have to be sent down by for him not to be my pick? Uh, Wednesday. Actually, never mind. I want Jesse Schultons regardless of what happens. <laughs> I reserve the right to remove Sebi Zavala as my backup choice. I would like Jesse Schultons, please. All right. Can do. This show is certainly taking a turn, boys. I like it. But uh, reminding everyone, if you're listening to the podcast or you're just tuning into the video, earlier in the show, we had Spinball Sports President Steven Spatansky talking about the iPitch machine, which is taking Major League Baseball by storm. He broke down everything about the machine, the features, what goes into it. Uh, we asked him a ton of questions about literally everything you could ask from you know, what inspired its invention, how did you break into the space? Talking about the features, how it can help players, how it can help players defensively like catchers. Really intriguing stuff. We talked about the research and development aspect, what goes into being able to make a machine like that. Highly suggest you go check that out. If you haven't, the podcast version will be out later this evening, or you can go back and watch the video version on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. You can watch it there. So we're going to shamelessly plug ourselves because I'm not going to lie. It was a damn great interview. How about it, boys? It sure was. I enjoyed it. Yeah, very informative. Lots of great information that came out of there. Nothing like tossing. Nothing like, uh, you know, tapping ourselves on the back. But it was good. I'm not going to lie. And Foster said, uh, I got to go back and see that machine. That's right. You do, Foster. Uh, as soon as we're done here, go back and check it out. You won't regret it. If you're a baseball fan, you'll you'll love that 30 minutes. Because for me, it felt like five minutes doing that whole interview ton of fun. Well, let's get into the rest of the show, guys. Uh, we were talking about trades and hot take scenarios. Let's get into this week's guaranteed take. Can we talk about how efficient we've been tonight, boys? We're at the hour 18 mark. It's feeling pretty good. I like it. We're, we're cruising along, having fun. It's, it's so easy to do when this team isn't good. <laughs> well sometimes we can talk about a lot we can talk a lot when they are terrible so uh nonetheless we have a heck of an interesting guaranteed take to talk about today and let's just dive into it uh there was a report that came out this week i, I want to say this was Heyman, Vinny. you can correct me if i'm wrong i saw it come somewhere the 670 the school reported it that the white Sox are only trading or willing to trade rental players after the Giants' sweep of the Dodgers yesterday, it's clear the Dodgers are in desperate need of starting pitching. And it's possible that they will overpay for said starting pitching. Should the Sox trade Lucas Giolito to the Dodgers for an overpayment and a good chunk of their farm system? Zimmer, Vinny, feel free to jump in. I would trade Giolito, Lynn, Cease, Kopech. I would trade any of them to the Dodgers because the Dodgers' fifth best prospect would be 
the Sox number one. So, like, you know, if you could get a haul for those guys, yeah, I would do it. So, it's specifically zooming in on Giolito, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I like Lucas. He's probably my favorite White Sox pitcher. But, but, you know, it is time. I agree. It is time. And Yeah. Blow I think up. the Dodgers are going to overpay. It's clear. I mean, they have paid. They, I think their payroll is by far – the highest in Major League Baseball, isn't it? I, I'd have to double check it. No, but... it's the Mets. All right, well, That's it's close. They, they they have a lot of money in that team. I, it's I'd imagine they're in the top five, nonetheless. Yeah, no, they are. And you know what? They were uncharacteristically cheap this offseason, which makes me think there's a certain two-way player down the road from them that they would like to continue employment with. But, you know, in order to take advantage of that, they're going to have to make some other moves, too. So, you know, Giolito could absolutely be one of them. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Vin, saying that toss in Lance Lynn, throw in Michael Kopech. They want Tim Anderson? Sure, we'll put together a package deal. Give us your whole fucking farm system. <laughs> Honest to God, that's what you got to do right now, right? I mean... I think I think we're all living in a pipe dream, saying that oh that, that this team is going to somehow magically win this shitty division. Even if we do, which isn't going to happen, but even if we do, we're losing in the first round again, boys. Uh, you got to retool while yeah. you can. If if Rick Hahn wants any chance of maintaining his job, you got to make a barn burner of a deal, turn around your farm system. The Dodgers know how to develop talent. The White Sox don't. Case in point. The White Sox call up a player today from Double A that is barely developed at all. I know that they're injured, but I mean you gotta you gotta do something to, to shake the pot, right, Tim? No, I completely agree with PZ in the chat. It's got to be all or nothing. No fixing it, right? You need to go convince Milwaukee that they need, you know, Luis Robert more than they need Jackson Chorio. You need to go convince uh, the Orioles to to somehow pry away Jackson Holiday. You know, granted, these are top two guys in minor leagues right now. That's the kind of move that you need to make in order to revitalize this team because you're not doing it this year, right? We need guys who are really, really good and really, really young and really, really far away from the majors right now because it's going to take some time to build it out. You know, you've got Benintendi for the next five years as your veteran leader. That's great. Slap a C on his chest and build around him. Yeah, so just... For the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to pull up all of the top Dodgers prospects. It kind of fits what this team needs to do. Yeah, The Dodgers have the number 11 prospect in all of baseball with Diego Cartaya. He's a catcher. He's a catcher, a need for the White Sox. He's he's a very important position for this team. Um, I'm not sure where the rest of their guys, let's see, Bobby Miller there ranks at number 18 on the MLB list of prospects. Um, the second see. baseman's on the list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Michael Bush. I'm looking to see where he falls on this. Uh, 39 on the top 100, and he's listed as a second baseman and outfielder. Thing is, he's already on the major league roster, right? And Bobby Miller is there too. If they're looking to compete, they're going to want to keep these guys. The other thing, look at that age column, right? 25 mm-hmm. years old. He's the same age, same age as Andrew Vaughn. I know we just got done talking about how Vaughn might not have lived up to expectations, but who would you rather have Andrew Vaughn or some raw prospect that's barely seen major league time so far, right? That's what you have to keep in mind with this whole prospect 
process, excuse me. As much as I would love, 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 love to get a huge haul back for a guy like uh, Giolito or even Cease, I'm seeing a two in front of every one of these guys' names. Not interested. Not interested. This team's going to take too long to build. You're not going to get this 21-year-old catcher who's at double A right now and suddenly have him be ready in two years to go compete for uh, a, a championship. And if you do, what, what is the rest of your roster really looking like at that point? You know, they've got a ZTA at 2024, but with catchers, it's it's almost never what it looks like. I mean, Adley Rutschman's a, a perfect example of that. I don't know, man. I, I think I would acquire Kartaya if, if they're willing to part ways with him. Uh, it's a hell of a bat. I think he's – I've seen some of his defensive clips, and he looks like he's a pretty solid defensive catcher as well. Yeah. And he's going to put asses in the seats, right? So, I mean, I'd love to see that and then maybe, you know, work in a guy. You know, if they're going to give up a Michael Bush, you know, you, you obviously got to throw – Maybe a TA goes in, in there. Maybe, you know, they can, I doubt they would, but you could throw in a veteran like Elvis Andrews or something, you know? I Yeah. If you could find a way to peel away a guy like Jackson holiday, I mean, that's the guy who's like number one on my prospect list. I think he's going to be the next great shortstop, you know, and there's a lot of them in baseball already. And the white Sox are about to have a need for one, but looking further down the list, you know, if you could get, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong from the Cubs, right? If you could get uh, the the Reds just called up Ellie De La Cruz and he looks like he's the real deal. So maybe you can get them to get rid of Edwin Arroyo, you know, a 19 year old shortstop. I'd be real good on this, on this White Sox team right now. Here's the top um, 100 in major league baseball, by the way. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just digging through this, seeing the names that I know, the guys that I've followed for a little while, you know, maybe, um, Who's the other guy that I was looking at? Cam Collier, also from the Reds. You know, the Reds have a really, really good farm system. I know they're not super competitive right now, um, but that division is wide open for the taking. So maybe you can convince them that, like, hey, this is the guy you need to put you ahead of the Brewers, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of interesting names here, guys. Uh, like we said, Diego Cartier from the, the, eight, the Dodgers, number 11 on this list. Intriguing name here in uh, Jordan Lawler as well at shortstop. The Jordan Lawler would be amazing, but I don't see any chance that the Diamondbacks get rid of him, especially considering how they are playing so well this season. They've got no need to decimate their farm system, you know, and that's the tough part with all of these trades is you have to have both sides agree to it. You know, we can sit here and play fantasy ball as much as we want. Uh, it just sucks. <laughs> it sucks that the Sox yeah. have backed themselves into a corner this way. They went from having the best farm system in baseball to having the most underwhelming organization in baseball. Because they can't develop talent. They can't develop talent. And Vinny, I got to get your thoughts here on what kind of prospects you think the Sox could be looking at. Is there a name on this list, on the Dodgers list that intrigues you? Got to get your thoughts. Vinny, you're muted, my friend. Sorry, sorry. I do that so I don't over-talk. If I speak too early, <laughs> nobody hears me. Um, you know, So as far as the Dodgers, they have two catchers in their top 10. Uh, one's 22, one's 21. It's hard to find guys under 20. 
And I completely agree with Zim. It's nice when they start with a one their age, obviously. But like I'm looking here, and it looks like there's one under – no, there's two under 20 in the top 20 prospects in MLB. It's just kind of hard. And But, you know, 20, 21, 22, I kind of still see in the same vein. It's once you start getting into 23, 24, 25 where I'm like, okay, you know, they're a prospect, but they're just about damn ready to be an MLB player, and the White Sox aren't going to be an MLB team next year. So, you know, I, those are the guys I tend to stay away from. Um, as far as this list, you know, not White Sox even included. I mean, Drew Jones. I'm not the biggest card guy. I'm trying to learn, though. Zim has piqued my interest. I have uh, family members Drew. who are into cards. Drew Jones, I've heard his card is just off the hook. There's one that's like it is. crazy expensive right now. Obviously, it's Andrew Jones's kid. Um, I don't know if people really tend to know that. I know us diehard. Former White Sox. Yeah, exactly. So there's White Sox ties there. But, um, I mean, that's just never going to happen. I, I honestly think of every player on this list. Drew Jones is amongst the most untradeable. Um, I think though, he is the most untradeable. Yeah, yeah. I agree, actually. I really, really do. Um, I don't see a world where the Cubs trade Peter Crow Armstrong only because he's been traded once already. Like, do you give up a guy like that who you acquired? And you you absolutely dominated that Javier Baez trade, right? The Mets got a month of a bad player, and the Cubs got, you know, an elite prospect. Um, that's probably Jed Hoyer's, like, you know, number one most impressive thing he's done so far. So, yeah, I I love all these prospects. Um, we're redoing our show for the Reds on Thursday, and there will be plenty of Ellie De La Cruz conversation there as well. So big fan of him and, you know, all these guys. I'm rooting for all of them. I'm one of those weirdos who roots for everyone in terms of, like, individuality. I want the Cubs to lose. Yeah. I want the Twins to lose. I want the Guardians to lose. But for individual players, I'm like, hell yeah, man. Go go, be sweet. Vinny, is there one name on this list that you could actually see the White Sox potentially acquiring? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that uh, an easy one. Would have to be Dylan Cease and Robert or Michael Kopech and Robert. Emmett Sheehan, I think they could get. He's number 99 on the list. He's from the Dodgers. He's already at the MLB level, and he's 23 years old. My bad. I misinterpreted. I thought he meant the top 10, like what was there on the screen. No, no, Oh, yeah. Uh, Entire top top 100? The top 100? Yes. There are probably multiple people they can get. Is there if they don't that... get a if they don't get a top one hundred prospect for freaking Dylan Cease or Luis Robert if they made that move like what the hell are we doing here like that Vinny, would just annoy it, me to no end. Is there anybody in the in the top twenty five that you look at as someone that this White Sox team? Yeah, you actually you have them on your team your screen right there, Marco Luce. I don't know if the Giants are going to be in trade prospect mode. Uh, I think he has absolutely, you know, unreal potential. Um, Beyond that, you know, top 100 prospects are top 100 prospects. Until you start getting into, like, the top 10, you know, there's not really, like, somebody I'm out there, like, they need to go get this guy right now. Otherwise, they would be a top 10 prospect. Well, and that's really it. Like, you, you mentioned the top 25, Joe. Well, Scroll on down and see who number 26 is. It's a guy who's already in the White Sox organization in Colson Montgomery. Huh. You know, so we kind of see where these guys are, um, what they think of a lot of these guys. You know, just because they're really highly touted right now doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be much of anything. 
You guys want to think of something crazy too? And I thought of this by seeing Tyler Soderstrom on there. Kyler Murray would probably be in the top thirty right about now if he would have stuck with baseball. I think he you picked don't think the he'd wrong be in the career already. Uh, if he was, he might still be considered a prospect. I don't know. He he might be by now. I just he's like amongst these guys' age, isn't he? 23, yeah. 24. It's, and I'm not he's out, sure. out for the year, which I feel bad for him in that aspect. I can't everybody he's, says he's twenty five. He's twenty five. Okay, then he probably is in the majors by now. But like he'd be with the A's. Like I know he's out for the year and the Cardinals haven't had much success since their long winning streak two years ago. But like, man, I still think he made the right decision. Well, look at his contract. Like yeah. that's where you, he made the right decision. Yes. You know, even a if good he, agent. That's just it. Even if he'd made out to be a, a good, uh, a good MLB player, how good would he have had to be to make fifty million dollars? You know. Absolutely. This is fair. That's a fair. How big is that contract overall? Oh, with the Cardinals? $110 million? Yeah, yeah. It's something crazy like that. Yeah. And, like, Mankata was the number one prospect, and Robert was the number one prospect. They each got, like, what, a total of $80 something like that? Somewhere around that. No, no. Kyler Kyler Murray's deal, guys, five years, $230.5 million. Damn, it's even bigger But what's the guarantee? What's the guarantee? Because that's what matters on it. Hold on. He certainly ain't hitting any incentives this season. (laughs) His guarantee is only 134. 160. 160. Okay. So he's making double what he's, he's making what Yohan Moncada and Luis Robert are making together by playing football. Financially, he made the right decision. As far as a career goes, he may have made the wrong one. Yeah. He'll, the money, he'll be okay with the money, I think. But, oh, yeah. I guess it's legacy versus money. Like, which would you rather have a lasting legacy or money that your grandchildren will never have to work? You both. Know? Yeah. Both would be ideal. But if I had to choose one, I don't want my grandkids working. That would be nice. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know, man, I would, I want my grandkids to work. I don't want anyone to be spoon fed. Gotta be make an honest life, but that's a whole nother, a whole nother conversation. Yeah. A different yeah. show. But, uh, it's been fun, boys. We talked a lot of stuff tonight. Talked spinball, sports, talking eye pitch. Steven Spatansky was an awesome guest. But we always like to talk it down, just talk about whatever at the end of the show. Vinny and I did a lot of BS talking about, you know, media and, and video games and, and all movies and all that stuff last week. So I figured we could dive in and talk about whatever you guys want to in the last 15 minutes or so of this show. This is where we go off the rails and just have a little bit of fun. Uh, Vinny, I, I texted you this morning, and Zim, I, we didn't talk about this, but you know you know what today is, Zim? It's uh, Juneteenth. That, that as well. Uh, that's not Happy where I was Juneteenth. going with it. But yes, uh, <laughs> as well. I mean, very, very important as well. I guess I didn't think that through before I asked that question. But yes, that is today. Um, but... Anyway, I'm not discounting that. So happy Juneteenth, and and it's it's an important day for everybody. I'm not going to spend too much on it and talk about it, but yeah. But but Zim also today is the release of Baja Blast for the summer, um, and that's a very important holiday for some folks. 
Uh, I partake in a couple every summer. The Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> a couple hundred cases. You mean, you mean as as far as the retail release goes? Uh, correct. The retail release. Okay. You can go to a store, and starting today, you could buy a twelve pack, whatever you want of Baja Blast. Cool. It's very important for I, some people. I will probably be picking up a pallet at Costco sometime soon. So. Yeah, there you go. Everybody I- likes it. I'm not the biggest. Like, I prefer Coca Cola, but like every now and then, it's like weird. Everybody it's, likes it's like summer. Bus. Yeah, but well, right. that's just it. You know, so, some people just have wrong opinions, Vinny. That's one of them, and you know, we move along. But I just said everybody it. loves it. Like, I, it's just so true. I've never had anybody who took a sip of it and went, "Uh, eh, not for me." I feel like I do know somebody, but like I've blocked them out in my brain yeah, because of that. <laughs> I, I vaguely recall having this conversation somewhat recently of somebody saying they didn't like it, but yeah, dumb, <laughs> dead to me now. See ya. Well, and and <laughs> and for those of you who are excited about this Baja Blast stuff, there's also two new variations of Baja Blast that are hitting the shelves as well. I've not tried, I've not partaken. I'm a bit of a purist, but, and again, Pepsi is not sponsoring this show, but if you want to sponsor us, Pepsi, disregard what anything Vinny said about Pepsi products. We'll take your money, Pepsi. That's all I got to say. Vinny's like, "Eh, I don't know. But there are two other flavors, uh, and Zim may be interested in this. There is a Baja Passion Fruit Punch, and Baja Caribbean Splash. So I will definitely try them. I I usually try each new flavor to do as they come out. Um, They are much better than the new flavors of Monster that come out. That's for sure. Yeah. I will say, Zimon, you can go on Amazon and get an 18-pack, which has six of each of the flavors we discussed about. Uh, An 18-pack for 16 bucks delivered to your door. That's not bad. It's not as cheap as getting a pop at the store, but... Um, you also don't have to go get it. Yeah, it's not not terrible. I'm not going to lie. I didn't plan about talking about Baja Blast tonight, but it just came to me. And I know a lot of people are are Baja Blast purists, especially some people go to Taco Bell just for that. You know, it's, I am one of those people. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if uh, you guys are familiar with it, but as long as we're on the conversation, I'm sure you guys are. You guys both listen to Bears podcasts. Um, yeah. Liquid Death has been making the rounds, uh, the, the canned water company. Well, they make flavored uh, stuff as well. And while we were on our camping trip last week, I got the opportunity to try a bunch of them. And man, that stuff is good and it is refreshing, especially when it's hot and humid, like I know it is out there. Um, it it hits the spot, their iced tea. Very good stuff. Really? Good to, got yeah. a, good to know. It's a I, nice I... mild taste too. It's not like overpowering like a sweet tea. It's very subtle. I don't think of that a world, man. That's exciting stuff. I don't know if you guys saw in the news, Liquid Death was in the news about a month or so ago uh, because of a dad who made a mistake with his son's lunch. I don't know if you guys heard about this. This was literally on the news about three or four weeks ago. Uh, the dad had Liquid Death in his refrigerator at home as well as Guinness beer, and it looks exactly the same. And he put a Guinness in his son's lunchbox and sent him to school with a Guinness. Uh, if you sit, if you stand the bottle side by side, the cans, they look very similar. It's mistakable enough, yes. Um, so it's pretty funny. Obviously, that is very funny. 
it still goes. We just kind of go all over the place. But I was at a gas station when that story came on. You know, when you're at the pump and like the news thing comes on, I'm like, no, that's what you're telling me today. All right. <laughs> well, you learned something. I'm like, I kind of want to get it. No, <laughs> but fun stuff, Zim. And and Zim, since you are our, our resident video game slash technology guy, I had to get your thoughts on the newly released Asus Rogue Ally. I think it is a brilliant piece of technology. I think it absolutely changes the game and is the first handheld that uh, the first handheld that actually competes with the Steam Deck. Now they both very much have their pros and cons. Um, I think that overall the Steam Deck is still a superior product, but the ROG Ally is very, very, very close. And I think if they are able to come out with another iteration of that before another Steam Deck is released, they will surpass it. Um, and the main reason for that, I, I don't know. You really want me to start nerding out on this? I will talk all day about a subject like this. But For those of you who don't know, uh, the ROG Ally, it's essentially, Steam Deck is like a basically a portable, high-def PC where you can play everything on it. Uh, Asus, who you guys are probably familiar with for a lot of their computer products, just released a portable version that's their competitor to that, uh, which has better specs-ish than the Steam Deck and also a slightly higher price tag. I think $800. The price tag tag is justified, and it is very similar to the fully decked-out Steam Deck, right? The base Steam Deck is only at about $500, $550, but it's, I'll say, unusable. I don't want to say it's unusable, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, a one-trick pony, so to speak. So, yeah. So I had to ask him about that because I've been seeing it pop up all over my TikTok feed, mostly because, as Vinny knows, and and you guys have been talking about, I'm kind of obsessed with Diablo Four now. Um, yeah, like over the top obsessed with it because it's incredible, and there's videos of people with the ROG Ally just playing. Diablo and it looks clean yeah. and fast. Well, and-, and that's what I have to say about that ROG ally is like, I have a friend right now who's looking at building himself a gaming PC, right? For things like Diablo four, because you know, it's an exclusive, I don't know if it's an exclusive PC release. Is it? Um, no, it's on, it's on PS five Xbox as well. Okay. But he doesn't have the newest gen console like the PS five or the Xbox. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And granted those come with a lower price tag. They're a little less future proofed as well. So there will be new iterations, you know, an Xbox series X pro, so to speak, a PS five pro of some sort, whereas something like an ROG, something like an ROG ally will just automatically be able to handle all of that um, from the get go. Um, And so he's, been debating these things and one of the big advantages that something like the rog ally has over something like the steam deck and over something like a console is one the portability and two the ability to plug it into a dock use it with a mouse and keyboard like a regular computer and it runs windows it runs windows 10 or windows 11 just like and normal. you can also pair an xbox controller to it as and well. you can pair an xbox controller to it you can even pair a ps5 controller to it um really really easy to use really super cool interface and 
I mean, for somebody like me and you, Joe, even Vinny, I know you're, you write at your computer all day. So all three of us, we work at our computers all day. In theory, we could be working off of an ROG ally and then unplug it and play our games or even keep it plugged in and play our games. And if you want to plug in an external graphics processing unit so that it can handle higher intensity gaming, um, you can do that. It's, yeah, it's a it's, really, it's, it's really, really cool piece of technology. It, it, it's, you know, Steam really pioneered and, and spearheaded it with the Steam Deck. Um, the ROG Ally is the next step in that evolution. And it's just really, really cool where we're coming with computers. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware. I was informed uh, by somebody at my wife's work. But we have just crossed the plane into quantum computing just this past week. We have created our first quantum computer chip. So for us to be able to go from things like these handheld gaming units to now being able to create quantum computers and being able to process as fast as the speed of light, being able to continue to grow and create, you know, it's really, really cool where technology is headed. It's kind of scary at the same time, especially when we look at things like chat GPT, but (laughs) It's it's cool. It's exciting to see what the future holds, and it feels like the future is starting to get closer and closer. It certainly is, and it's it's a damn cool piece of technology. I just had to ask you about it. You can walk into a Best Buy and buy it yes. just off the street now. Seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine at your Best Buy. Sorry, like I said, I can ramble about stuff like that for hours. Feel free to cut me off. I just it's all good. Super my, cool stuff. That is my cool. next. Uh, my next thing we're going to talk about, and I'm going to throw this to Vinny. I sent you guys a couple of text messages last evening. I'm working on reading this, one of my Father's Day presents from my wife and my daughter. Joe Kelly's book. Oh, my God, guys. This thing is loaded with not only amazing baseball talk, but if you hate the Astros as much as Joe Kelly does, He's got some great shit talking between these guys. Um, A couple of the excerpts, and I'm just going to sell it to you guys because first off, Joe Kelly and Rob Bradford, if you guys happen to see this, I know I've tagged you on Twitter a million times. Would love to have either of you or both of you on this show to talk about this book because I can't get enough of it. I almost read the whole thing last night. Real quick, it's called A Damn Near Perfect Game. Just came out. Let me pull up an excerpt here because I actually took a picture of it and sent it to Vinny and Zim last night as I was reading. It's a very, very good excerpt. I loved it. Yeah, he has a a chapter in the beginning called The Power of a Pout, which, of course, is his famous pout. To Carlos Correa, now Minnesota Twin. And I quote, you know what the most powerful emotion is? embarrassment that's what i gave carlos correa that was his and the astros punishment embarrassment is worse than sadness you aren't alone in a room you can't keep it to yourself it's there for everyone to see just love that um it's just unbelievable i i can't can't get enough of it i kind of love it i love it the, all the back and forth, like there's there's stuff that I didn't excerpt here, and there's chat jibber jabber between the dugouts about, and and apparently 
during the the bubble playoffs uh, during COVID, they were trying to get the the Astros and uh, the Dodgers to stay in the same hotel during COVID. And they tried to talk to Joe Kelly to say like, Hey, if you see him in passing, don't start a fight. And he's like, that's not happening. (laughs) So so it's totally cool um, to read through it. Really love it. And then Vinny, he had a, he had a portion where he was talking about Shohei Otani and kind of like the kind of pitcher that he is. I thought this was a really interesting take. He goes, he was talking about how there's guys, you know, that pitch and hit and all that jazz. And he goes in, in verbatim, quote, now we're left with one guy, the angel Shohei Otani. He is an aberration, the starting pitcher who serves as a DH on his off days and does both jobs better than almost anybody else. Yet those who say he is opening doors for the next wave of two-way players are misguided. Clubs simply won't allow it. They bend over backwards for Shohei because his talent demands it. Teams are simply too insecure to let players focus on both instead of specializing in one. Killing any idea that we're on the cusp of a wave of hitters who pitch and pitchers who hit. We will just have to revel in the memories of Babe Ruth and random relief pitcher opposite field doubles. It was a nice run while it lasted. Uh, very interesting take. I never thought of it that way. Curious your thoughts, Finn. Yeah, I think human beings are smart sometimes. Well, they're not really smart. But individually, sometimes things like this can lead to other things like this. Um, I find no coincidence that, you know, 18 years after the Coyotes went to Arizona from Quebec, Austin Matthews emerged as the number one overall pick out of Arizona. Like, I do think there's, like, correlation between, like, pro sports and, like, kids learning things and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know if there will be another Otani in the future, but I'd be surprised if teams don't open their minds a little bit as we move along. Hey, well, we will see. But one thing I can tell you guys, again, we're not sponsored at all, but a damn near perfect game. Joe Kelly's new book with Rob Bradford. Absolutely amazing. Uh, by the way, these guys also have a podcast called Baseball's Not Boring. Uh, really quick episodes where they interview different uh, you know, personnel from across Major League Baseball. Really effective, really cool. Uh, I was alluding to earlier talking about Evaldi. Uh, he has a section in here where he talks about you know, that game where Evaldi came in and pitched that really long game. He pitched six innings of relief. And even though they lost that game, he said that that performance gave them the energy and the belief that they could win the whole thing. And uh, they credit Evaldi with a lot of that. I think he was the World Series MVP. That would probably be correct. I don't. I know could be that. wrong, though. I could be wrong. Um, and then also, there's a section of the book where he talks about the Chris. Uh, he talks about the the Joe Kelly Fight Club and who would be in it, in terms of like tough guys. Chris Sale makes the list, boys. I'm not surprised. And really quick, I was wrong. It was Steve Pierce. That makes sense. I remember he was a lightning in a bottle. Steve Pierce was the World Series MVP. But yeah, Chris Sale, tough as nails. Most people probably guess that by the way he pitched. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not surprised by Joe Kelly saying that. I'm actually kind of happy to hear it. 
So you want to know who's on his Fight Club list? I have it here. Was uh was that one Cubs pitcher on there? The guy who um oh Kyle Farnsworth. Yeah, Kyle Farnsworth. He is not. He was a he was a Yankees guy, I guess, more than a Cubs guy. But yeah, he picked five former teammates for what it's worth. So, um, his number one in his Fight Club is Mitch Moreland, which is not surprising either. The first Meat one who potatoes. came to his first one that came to his defense. I don't know if you guys remember when he was on the Red Sox and he beamed. Uh, Austin, whatever his name is from the Yankees. Yeah. Um, Austin Wagner. That sounds right. I it said it earlier in the book. I forget. And then Chris Sale. And this is his number two on the list is Chris Sale. When Chris says something, he means it. He isn't going to beat around the bush and say something he's not ready to back up. Very good. I like that. Third, Yadier Molina. Yadi's got two older brothers, so he had to get some into some scrums, and he's one of the best catchers of all time, which shows toughness. Then Austin Barnes, followed by David Fries. So uh, just a couple little things you could look forward to in this book. I am enjoying the hell out of it. I'm probably going to finish it tonight if I can stay awake after the show, but just had to talk about the book because it's been on my mind, guys. It's really good. Yeah, Absolutely. And you bring up David Freeze, that guy's crazy. Doesn't he passes on going into the Cardinals Hall of Fame? Just absolute madness, dude. You were the World Series hero. Yeah. You're like one of the biggest hits in MLB history, dude. You're a Cardinals Hall of Famer. One of the You're, best postseasons by a hitter in MLB history. Yeah. The guy like, was on fire. Like Tony LaRusso probably doesn't get half the praise he gets if it wasn't for him. That's crazy, isn't it? You can't make some of this stuff up, but uh, Vinny, I brought up so many random things, talk with Zim, technology, anything you want to highlight or talk about that's non-baseball related. Yeah, I saw The Flash right before today's show. I had a Dude, I wanted to, I got to ask you, how was it? Okay, so it was good. I enjoyed watching it. I had fun watching it. The reason that is, is because the DCEU is over. This was the end. They're restarting. They're starting the DCU with a Superman movie. And, you know, two years from now. But James Gunn, the director of three successful Guardians of the Galaxy movies, has taken over and he's going to try and turn DC around. I hope, I personally hope he is able to. It'd be fun. I don't like Marvel versus DC. I like, please let me watch both and enjoy both, please. Um, There you go. You know, there's plenty of pizza to go around. Um, Yum. I, I, but because of that fact, I know I never had to watch these characters in these roles ever again for the rest of my life. So that made me enjoy the movie. I think I, I wasn't like angry by any plot holes or, you know, things that make these types of movies, quote unquote, bad or medium. Um, you could kind of ignore those things, knowing the direction of the franchise. So in that sense, it was an enjoyable movie. You know, the Batman was in it. Michael Keaton plays, uh, the old Batman, and there's um, Ben Affleck's new newer Batman. I guess second newest Batman now. Um, yeah, there's a couple Flash in the pan, other superheroes in it that I won't spoil, but it was sick. And uh, worth noting, Vin, the same director of that movie will be doing the new Batman movie. Yes. Yes, sir. Which apparently there was another cameo of another Batman at the end, but um, we won't dive into that. Correct. <laughs> the internet has a way to spoil things for me, that's but true. that's that's okay. 
Exciting. And then we get in uh, 11 days from today, the new Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Looking forward to that. My wife and I just worked our way through all the Indiana Jones movies. We're halfway through Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which weirdly enough isn't as bad as I remember it being. Movie was surprisingly well put together. Um, The only thing that honestly, like now looking back on it, not having the whole... um, I don't know. There, there was a lot of hate just because it was a new Indiana Jones movie, you know? Um, so removing yourself from all of that, I think the only thing that bums me out about it, looking back on it is the fact that they set it up so well for Shia LaBeouf to take over the role to kind of become a new indie. And instead he went insane. <laughs> you know, he had the opportunity right in front of him. And granted some of the movies that he's been in uh, since all of that went down, have actually been very enjoyable for me. Really good, yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, that's my big disappointment, is is he was handed the keys to the franchise and kind of wasted it. Well, they'll be handing over the keys in the new one, and uh, I won't... I mean, I haven't seen it, but I, I know what's happening. Right. And, I've uh, intentionally kept myself in the dark, so I oh, will so be I, but I can just see the French. writing on the wall, but... Yeah. Nonetheless, looking forward to it. Uh, Vinny, we do have a question in the chat for you about The Flash. How long is the movie? Uh, it's two hours and 24 minutes. Wow, kind of long for a superhero movie. Yes, it is a longer movie. But I listen, I liked it. It never felt like Please Be Over, other than the fact that I kind of had to pee. <laughs> how, how was Supergirl, Sasha Kaya? I mean, I know she's in talks to remain as Supergirl in the DCU. Like or hate that decision? Like it for her and the role. Hate it for confusion. If you're starting over, start over. It's like baseball teams. You don't keep freaking so-and-so around. That makes it confusing. and makes it feel like the other one's a part of it. Um, yeah, I, I can kind of see it both ways, though, because she's new to the franchise as of this she's, movie. She's new and great. I would say it is a top three part of the movie is her arrival slash influence on it. Nice. I love it, guys. If not top one. Wow. Yeah. That's saying a lot because there's Michael Keaton Batman in it. So Exactly. Which, loved that too. Gotta love that. Sweet deal, guys. Hell of a cool show tonight, guys. We ran the gamut. We talked with Steven Spatansky from Spinball Sports about the iPitch machine. It's amazing. Go back, check out the interview. Totally cool to see what teams are using to improve performance at the plate. We talked about the, the White Sox, the depressing White Sox. The Which does. is officially a, a loss for tonight yeah. as of right now. They, they lose. Womp womp. Uh, Marcus Semyon, the old White Sox. Gotta love it. There's a couple ex-White Sox on that team, but that's beside the point. But hell of a fun show tonight, guys. Uh, we're we're hoping well, tentatively we'll put it on we'll put it out there now and in efforts that it still happens. July third, guys, not next week, but the week after. We might be having Alyssa Bergamini on the show, guys. Been a while, friend of the program. Yeah, she's always a fun guest to have on. Always gives us lots of good uh, insights about life at the ballpark, especially now that, you know, you and I, Joe are a lot further away and Vinny, I don't think you've been able to make as many games this year. So some Always. of it's by design. 
yeah choice <laughs> still gives us a little bit of a still gives us a little bit of a, a feel without having to actually feel it for ourselves so yep absolutely yeah. and Vinny and i will both be there on dylan c's bobblehead day so yep and i am going wednesday there so i want to see the rangers now, so the real I... question Vinny, is will uh will dylan c still be on the team uh, <laughs> yes i think he will be <laughs> I think so too, but you never know. And Moist uh, Michael's on the mound. I have a Moist Michael jersey, so I'll be wearing that. There you go. Hopefully, hopefully he keeps it keeps it on fire tomorrow. But heck of a show, guys! It's been a ton of fun. Thanks to everybody in the chat for hanging out with us all night. Great questions for our guest. Make sure you check out the podcast version and the YouTube version. Mash that subscribe button to the Barroom Network if you're listening to the podcast, or on YouTube if you're not. Give us a like on Twitter. Just appreciate you tuning in any way you can. We had a lot of fun tonight. We st- we took a step outside of what we usually do on this show today to do more of an overall baseball kind of show, and I thought it was kind of cool to learn about the iPitch. I had a lot of fun with that. But nonetheless, we'll wrap things up and get to the shout-out portion of our show. Steven, Zim, Zimmerman, take it away with the shout-outs. And before you do – Forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Hey, that's what I was going to say. Shout out to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day to Joe. I know you are celebrating what? This is your second one now. And- it is my second, but my first with her with a crazy personality and running all over the place. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really special. It was a really special one. Absolutely. I'm so glad to hear that. Vinny, I know your dad's listening out there somewhere. Happy Father's Day to him. Joe, your dad's out there listening. Uh, Mine might be. He might be listening on the podcast later. I'm not really sure, but happy Father's Day to everybody out there. And, um, And you you know, the usual shout outs to the family, to the kids, to the dog, to the, to the, I don't know, to the, to the chat, everybody out there watching still listening live as we ramble on at the 202 mark and yeah love it zim appreciate it man vincenzo what do you got for shout outs buddy um some of the usual of course my girlfriend katie who i haven't seen since saturday morning two almost two and a half days because she left for father's day well she's right out that door and she came home mid-show i heard her she tell her to come in i'm excited to say hello to her i have missed her um but it was father's day that's why she was gone um so happy father's day to my father michael i gave you a nice shout out last week i do the same this week i love you and thank you for everything i hope you enjoyed your weekend and to katie's dad of course mr henley thank you you you're amazing your future future father-in-law yeah exactly my future father-in-law and then mr zimmerman mr mandel uh happy father's day to you gentlemen you have produced two very good friends of mine and i can't thank you enough for that and yeah, all the people that listen as well as Steven Spotansky. That was a great show and I had a lot of fun. Love it, man. That's the first thing I was going to say is shout out to our guest tonight, Steven Spotansky from Spinball Sports. Make sure you check out their website, spinballsports.com. Follow them on Twitter at Spinball Sports. Or if you're following Steven specifically, you can just follow at spot underscore 22. Totally great guest. The iPitch is an amazing machine. Definitely check it out. There's lots of different levels. You don't have to get the $15,000 one. <laughs> you can get a, a much cheaper one as well. Really cool machine, though. Uh, as always, shout out to my family, my beautiful wife, Catherine, 
and my daughter, Audrey, for giving me the most amazing Father's Day weekend. Uh, just made it Saturday, made all my favorite dishes for breakfast and for dinner. And um, they got me, I, I was wearing it the other day. It was my preset Father's Day shirt, but it's uh, it was the Mandalorian helmet. And it said Dadalorian, best in the galaxy. It's totally cool. Um, I got a, a best dad hat. Uh, white socks polo and probably one of my new most exciting things is i got a, a blackstone 22 inch electric griddle for inside the house um it's got this cover on it i did some cooking on it tonight for the first time very very awesome uh cooked up some burgers and some zucchini it's good stuff man so uh shout out to my wife and my daughter and my great dane maverick uh it's a fun day Went to Journeyman Distillery yesterday in Three Oaks, Michigan. I partook in some delicious old fashions. Yep. And they then they make a personal Detroit style pizza that just uh chef's kiss. Slaps. So it was a great day. Great weekend. Love my family. Shout out to all the dads out there. My dad, every dad. And you know, it just makes me appreciate being a father. Uh, having a little girl that just I look at her, I'm just like, wow, she's she's me and my wife's, and she's just like the most amazing thing. So uh, it was really eye opening just to see how happy and, and talkative she is now, and just makes me ramble on because I could never stop talking about her. So that's amazing. That's fatherhood in a in a, in a tea right there. So um, shout out shout out to all them. Shout out to you guys for being great co-hosts as always. Uh, heck of a great show tonight. Great questions for Steven Spatansky. We brought our A game tonight. We went a little long because we went off the rails at the end, but hell of a fun, great show. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to Aldo Gandia, the barkeeper, for letting us do this every single week as always. Hope you are feeling better on the men. I know he's been on and off the network a little bit. We, we love you, Aldo. Hope all is good. Um, and then there's one thing I wanted to say. I can't remember what it was, but you know, sometimes these things escape you towards the end of the show, but that's it guys. Heck of a show tonight. I'm, I know we're all ready to get out of here, but I'm just going to end it at that. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> I, I love you guys. Fun stuff. Let me find the, the end credits because I'm just starting to ramble on into oblivion. Who knows? I'm probably going to yawn now any second. So I, just kidding. I'm going to end those credits now. Great show, guys. As always, we'll be back next week with South Burb Sitman. For the South Burb Sitman, I'm Joe Mandel. That's Vinny Parisi. That's Steven Zim Zimmerman. We will see you guys next week. And as always, let's go White Sox.